Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. And so tonight, I want us to open to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in the Hebrew language, the book of Acts, if we were to translate it from Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the title would be Ma'aseh, Ma'aseh Shalakim, the sent ones. Hallelujah, the sent ones. How many of you are sent? Hallelujah. Because the word apostle means to be sent. And that's what we are being anointed for Saturday, to be sent to do the work of God. Some are going to be sent in the ministry right here to do the work of God. And others are going to be sent um, into their own ministries to do the work of God under the mantle of this ministry. So the word apostle in Greek is the word apostole. And this word apostole translated from Greek to Hebrew is this word shalakim, the sent ones. How many of you right now want to be sent to do the will of God? Looking at Acts chapter 13 tonight, and we're going to begin with Acts 13 verses 1 through 4. And if you have it, say amen. In the book of Acts in the 13th chapter, the 11th chapter begins to introduce us to the church at Antioch. This church at Antioch uh, began as a result of Christian persecution. Let us begin before we look at uh, Acts 13 with actually the background in Acts 11 verse 19. I want you to see oftentimes things that cause us trials and tribulation, such as the persecution that broke out in Jerusalem. This was a great persecution. It happened at the time of Stephen stoning. And Christians could not be saved in Jerusalem. So they fled and they went to the uttermost parts of, of all around. The Bible says, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but Jews only. I want you to understand the very first Christians for the first 20 years were only Jews. They were the ones who accepted Christ as their Messiah. If you were to look, if you lived in the first century and you looked up Christianity, it would be under Jews because the very first 20 years of our existence as Christians, they were Jews only. And so they're spread abroad because of this great persecution. And as a result of this great persecution, the Bible tells us they went to other places and the gospel was spread. You know, I'm going to tell you something else that the Lord had. You know, the Lord plans. He always protects us, doesn't he? Do you know why God wanted them out of Jerusalem? God wanted them out of Jerusalem, not only because the gospel was going to be spread through the persecution, because God's always got a plan uh, behind any type of painful experience that we go through in our lives. God always has a plan. 
And so he allowed that persecution to spread the church out to Cyprus, to Phoenicia, to other places, and especially to Syria. But I want you to know something else. God's always got our back before the attack. Did you know that? Did you know that this is before Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans? So God allowed persecution for two reasons. Number one, God allowed persecutions to spread the gospel and to go into the other, uh, the other nations where the word of God was being spread through the persecuted believers. They didn't just sit back and cry. They went and started their lives all over again. They picked up everything they had. They resettled themselves for the name of Jesus. I want you to know, beloved, being a Christian, there is a price to pay. And in the Bible, we see those who were willing to pay the price. And so they were spread abroad. But the Bible also tells us that in 70 AD, the whole entire land of Israel uh, was going to be invaded. Not only were the Romans occupying, but the Romans were going to destroy because they were going to take revenge on the rebellion that was happening in Jerusalem. And so the temple was destroyed. The city was flattened. Thousands of Jews lost their lives and 94,000 Jews were taken slaves in the Roman empire. So do you see why God allowed the persecution? He allowed them to leave before the trouble happened. Hello, somebody. You see, God is a God who's always got our back before the attack. He is a God who always prepares a way. It may look dark. It may look difficult. We may say, I don't understand why God allowed this in my life, but God's always got a plan. Hallelujah. And he will always watch his children and bring glory to his powerful name. And as this revival, as they were spread abroad, the Bible tells us in verse 26, let's look. In verse 26, I want you to see that uh, going back to verse 25, Barnabas began a revival there, and these were two Greek-speaking Jews. What does it mean, Greek-speaking Jews? It does not mean that they were Gentiles. It means that they were Jews from the diaspora. That means they did not live in the land of Israel those Jews who lived in the land of Israel only spoke Hebrew. But now that they are evangelizing Jews outside the land of Israel, there is Greek-speaking Jews. And so therefore, it was uh, Barnabas, because Barnabas was from Cyprus. Cyprus is near Greece. He was a Greek-speaking Jew, and he began a great work, hallelujah, in Antioch. And so in order to stabilize the work, for the work to grow, he went back to Syria to look for Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul. Now watch this. Then he departed, then departed Barnabas for Tarsus to seek for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Now watch this. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And their disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now I want you to understand a revival is going on every single night. Paul and Barnabas are teaching. Believers are not going home. They're listening to the word of God, and there's a reason behind it. Because God was getting ready to shake the world up. God was getting ready for a great revival to happen. You see, beloved people, 
We have to have the discernment to discern the times. We have to have the discernment because when uh, there's a move of God happening, oftentimes God doesn't come down and say, this is a move of God and I'm going to change the world through you. You have to have enough uh, sensitivity to the spirit of God to realize something is happening. You have to have enough sensitivity to the spirit of God to sense things are changing. And so every night, for a whole year, Saul and Barnabas taught in Antioch. And you know what they were doing? They were building an atmosphere because a word was about to go out prophetically that if the church in Antioch was not prepared spiritually to receive the word that was about to go out, they would have missed it because a word was about to be pronounced about a famine that was coming to the land. And those believers that were in Antioch were spiritually mature enough through every single night, Saul and Barnabas training them, I'm going somewhere with this. Through every single night, Saul and Barnabas training them so that when the prophetic word came, they knew what to do with the word. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. It's one thing to hear prophecy, but it's another thing to be able to judge it and to be able to know what to do with what you hear from heaven. Are you with me? I'm trying to teach you something spiritual here tonight. I'm trying to get you into the realm of the spirit because things are about to happen in the earth very quickly. Things are about to change and shift and you better be ready for the supernatural suddenlies that are ready to start breaking out on the right and on the left. Are you with me, saints? So if that church in Antioch was just in La La Land, and if they were just assembling, wow, I got to go hear Paul. He's a great speaker just for one night. Maybe I'll just get him here one month here, one month there. I'll just pick and choose when I'm going to go hear Paul. And I think I'm just going to pick and choose when I'm going to go hear Barnabas. But every single night, the believers were assembled together because why it was a move of God that they should be so hungry because their inward man was being prepared to hear a word. God had to deposit it somewhere in the earth and he could not deposit it to a church that was immature he could not deposit it to believers that did not know what to do with such a word are you with me if you are say amen continue in the context and let's see the word the Bible tells us, hallelujah, in verse 27 and in those days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch God is sending prophets that live in Jerusalem 300 miles to deliver a word in Antioch. Why couldn't they deliver the word in Jerusalem? Why couldn't they deliver the word in some place closer? Why did they have to go 300 miles in biblical times? That's not easy. All the way to Antioch to deposit a word. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. So I want you to understand that the Holy Ghost has a place 
that he wants to deliver a word to, but he's not going to deliver it to immature believers. And he's not going to deliver it to those that will not know what to do with a word that is delivered unto them. The Holy Ghost wants to give us mysteries from heaven. He wants to reveal to us what's happening in the earth, but he cannot do it to a church that's insensitive or undedicated or not willing to de discipline themselves to hear the word of God are you hearing this saints what a word hallelujah these prophets came up and why did they come there because the Lord was saying the word that's on you you can't deliver to an immature community you can't even go next door you can't deliver it in your own place because everybody's scattered and all the people that are there are not connected together enough to know what to do with this word I'm about to deliver so it's one thing to hear a word but it's another thing to judge the prophecy and know how to bring that prophecy protect it hello somebody so that everything the holy ghost wanted to do with that prophecy is actually brought out hello somebody and brought to to accomplish what god sent the word to do prophecy is not given to tickle our ears prophecy is given to direct us and we are coming in the days of the church where more and more prophetic experiences are coming and God wants to deliver a word to the church but the church has to be willing and ready to be able to know what level of power he is delivering unto them and how to handle it watch and there stood up one of these prophets that came from Jerusalem 300 miles to Antioch there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar now this is why is this so significant to us now because there are things happening in the earth that the Holy Ghost wants us to know ahead of time so we don't have to go through it I said things are happening in the earth turn to your neighbor and say I don't want to be in la la land and I don't want to be injected with a spirit of apathy to be so stunned spiritually and being such a spiritual stupor that if the Holy Ghost at the time I'm supposed to be a teacher I've become dull of hearing and I have need that I go back to the first principles of the faith because I became inoculated with dullness at the time God wants me to be sensitive to be ready to hear what God is saying are you with me saints I'll go down on record I will go down on record that the whole purpose of COVID-19 was to get the church so spiritually insensitive and so accustomed to not congregating together and so uh, uh, involved in another lifestyle. In other words, once something becomes habit, you can be away from church for six months and it's okay because it's against the law. You can't go to church. Okay, that was the plan of the devil. 
But it's our responsibility to fire ourselves and to make sure we're in the spirit somehow. If we can't go to church, then we got to do something to keep the fire going. It's our responsibility to do so. Most of the church adopted this as a lifestyle. Did you ever read in Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones? Completely disconnected one from another. That's what happened in COVID. I said, that's what happened in COVID. The church broke apart the disconnection that was there so that when the hour came, that God's hour for the church to rise as a mighty army, that everybody is off doing their own thing and has readopted a new concept of Christianity, which means I don't need to join myself to the church. I can stay back. I want you to evaluate your own life. Are you as on fire and fervent as you are? now as you were then before COVID? Are you still serving God to the same degree as you were before COVID as you are now? Are you still serving God daily as you did before COVID? Or have you now adopted a compromise from the culture? Are you with me? Somebody ought to say, no culture is going to give me a new gospel. Somebody, I said, I'm not going to be controlled. You see what the culture does, and the church has actually allowed the culture of the world to penetrate its system. What the culture does is, if you do not comply with the culture, then you get shamed. You don't agree, it goes all over the internet, and you get shamed. You don't agree, you say something politically incorrect. Boom, a million people will just respond with a negative comment about you. So fear comes in. Nobody wants to speak because nobody wants to say the truth. Because if you say the truth, the world system, and you don't go along with the world, they've already controlled through a culture of shame and a culture of fear. So everybody's under the slavery of the system that you don't want to be politically incorrect and you don't want to rock the boat or somebody to think you're a fanatic so you don't say anything. So that culture has actually penetrated the church's culture. And now the church has developed new systems. Hello, somebody. But I want you to know the God that I serve changes not. And I want you to know that the gospel hasn't changed. Commitment hasn't changed. Dying to self hasn't changed. Giving your life 100% to Jesus hasn't changed. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about. Are you home? Are you there? All right. So here we see. The Bible tells us this incredible word that was delivered by a man by the name of Agabus. The Bible says that there should be a great dearth throughout the world, and it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. I actually did a research on this, and it is true. There were actually four famines in the time of Claudius Caesar. Agabus was right on. Four famines in four different places, and one place particularly that the famine hit was Jerusalem. Here's another thing. God spared his people again. 
Those that were persecuted had to leave Jerusalem. Guess what? They didn't have to go through any of that. Hello? I said, hello. Turn to your neighbor and say, what I think is such fire is really going to be used for my honor, for the glory of God. God's got a plan behind it. So don't think, why did God allow me to go through this? Why am I going through this right now? Did you not know that God was actually preparing something to spare you from something? Hello, somebody. He actually had, hallelujah, your back before the attack. Somebody ought to say, the God that I serve already has got my back before the attack. All right, now watch. This is the powerful part, verse 29. They judge the prophecy correctly. Judging prophecy doesn't mean, well, that is of God and that's not of God. That's part of it. But judging prophecy means, all right, do you realize what prophet gave this word? This is a prophet that's been in the church for, blank, you know, 30 years, 40 years. Do you realize this is a general that gave the word? Hello? All right, not everything that comes out of the mouth of everyone is totally, fully, purely the word of God, but that has something to do with it. And then do you realize what God is saying? This is how we judge prophecy. And what do we do? We respond to the prophecy we hear. We don't just get entertained by it. Prophecy is not given for entertainment. It's not given to make us feel good. It's a message from heaven to spare us. Hello, are you with me? It's a message from heaven to teach us, to spare us, so that we would know what to do. Watch what these disciples did. The Bible says, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So what actually happened? That means the whole church at Antioch started a plan. That means they strategized, they prepared because they heard a word from the Lord. They actually stepped out and began to prepare oxen and carts and caravans to put food on, to bring down to the church before the famine hit. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? They were working like Noah. You see, Noah had heads up before the flood hit. God is a God who wants to give his church heads up. He does not want us for this next thing that's coming to the earth to be sitting ducks, to sit back and not know what to do. But God wants us to be aware that before the missiles strike and before the world goes into war, God wants us to know what to do. Hello, somebody. He's a God is going to prepare us. He's a God is going to be with us. He's a God is going to spare us. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. He's a God of a plan. They, they didn't work on this just with one little pass in the basket collection. That's not what they did. They got food together. They got plans together. They got caravans and carts together and people that were willing to trust the word of prophecy, to trust the word that came out of the mouth of a prophet, to know this was God. Hello, somebody, are you with me? And they acted accordingly. You see, one of the reasons why prophecy is withheld from us is we don't know what to do with it when it is said, nor do we consider the prophecy, the words of the Holy Spirit. When we recognize when, if we could recognize the Holy Spirit in the little things, 
like those who God's put over us when they say something, we realize that's not that if it's something concerning ministry or something concerning ministry work or something concerning ministry vision, it's not the, it's not the person in charge speaking to you. It's the Lord speaking to you. You see, and when we look at it as man speaking to us, then we're, we're sunk. We're going to always stay in the natural realm. But when we recognize how God has put some event, some apostles, some prophets, and not everybody who calls themselves as an apostle, I'm talking about biblically speaking, the biblical orders of God, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers, then we will understand when we are given a direction or just a little tiny direction, we realize that wasn't the pastor speaking, that wasn't uh, the apostle speaking, that was the Holy Ghost telling me to do this, so I'm going to do it. When God says, that we are so attentive to know when the Spirit of God speaks and we obey what He says, then He can give us more. Hello, somebody, are you with me? The church is taking on a whole new identity right now. You can either have the COVID identity, and guess what? COVID's over. But some of us are still stuck in COVID. We don't want to serve God the way that we did before COVID. We're stuck in the behavior of COVID. Can you break out of it? Somebody ought to say, I'm breaking out of it. Are you, are you with me? All right. So we see which also did they, and they sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So they worked out these projects. They got them all together, and guess what? The church at Jerusalem didn't suffer with the famine. They were spared. Many of them were spared because the word of the Lord came months in advance by prophets that were sensitive, and he couldn't even deliver that word to his own church in Jerusalem. He had to deliver it 300 miles away to a church that knew what to do with the word that was delivered. Hear the word of the Lord. To know what to do with prophecy. To know what to do when the Spirit of God speaks to you. To know how to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be the Shalakim. This is the background to Acts 13. Looking at Acts 13, notice this revival was going on in the book of in, in Antioch. Say, Holy Spirit, let it happen now. It went from Saul and Barnabas to these. Now there were at the church in Antioch, same church we were speaking about, certain prophets and teachers. Notice every night they're getting taught and prophets are coming up and teachers are coming up. Prophets and teachers such as Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, guess what? The Holy Ghost said, we were never allowed to say somebody prophesied. We had to say the Holy Ghost said. Hello, I said, in those days, back in the day, when we were growing up in the things of God, we were not allowed to say so-and-so prophesied. We, we had to say, the Holy Ghost said. Do you all understand? That's the scriptural way. When there's a true, authentic prophecy, it wasn't the person saying it, it was the Holy Ghost saying it. Hello, are you with me? The Bible says the Holy Ghost said, separate me. 
Saul and Barnabas for the work whereto I have sent them. I have called them. And when they fasted and prayed, notice it was a fasting church. It was a praying church. Somebody ought to say it's time to turn your plate over. If you really want to hear from God, hello, somebody, do you really want an encounter from heaven? Then turn your plate over. Somebody ought to give God the praise and the glory. Oh, hallelujah. Turn your plate over. Turn to your neighbor and say, just turn that plate over, child. When they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Notice they're hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying. Now the Holy Ghost is sending them. I want you to know, every one of you, on Saturday that are going to be anointed, you're being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. You're not being sent forth by man. The Bible says they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost and departed into Seleucia, and from thence sailed to Cyprus. Now watch this, verse 5. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues to the Jews, and they had John to their minister. Not John the apostle. This is John Mark. Dr. Corral, where are you going with this? I'm going to show you how Paul the Apostle renders responsibility in the Word of God. That ministry is not something you take lightly. Ministry is a responsibility, and the book of Acts is going to show us not only how Scripture deems ministry, but also how the Apostle Paul deems ministry. How many of you want to know how he regards ministry? Amen? And we see here, beloved saints, in the word of God, the Bible says they took John for their minister. That means that John is going to go as a personal assistant to take care of the needs of Paul and Barnabas. And it just so happens John Mark happens to be the nephew of Barnabas. And so therefore, looking, uh, continuing in the context, and we see here in the book of Acts, as we continue in the context and look at the scripture, we are going to see how God uh, is going to show us something about John Mark, this nephew, how he defected from, the, from his position and how he left his place of ministry. This is uh, here in the book of um, of Acts, we see the preface to the ministerial profile of John Mark. We're going to see his election and his selection by God on the first missionary journey that was ordained by God, the apostles that were sent. We are going to see Dear people of God, the devastating results of regarding responsibility when God gives you a mission, how you are to regard your responsibility before God and how you are to handle it. Ministry is not something we just say we want to, to do. And then when it's time for us to fulfill our responsibility, that we defect from it. Today in the earlier um, service, we shared, you know, we have people in our ministry that are so dedicated. 
I'm going to use an example of a woman who's not able to really come here. She's very crippled in her body, but she's been part of this ministry for over 40 years. But now she's pretty crippled in her body. She serves God night and day with pain in her body. And a few years ago, about uh, right before COVID, she wanted to take a vacation with her precious son and her family. And, and she's told me, you know, I, I felt in the spirit, we pray every Friday together and I, I felt in the spirit, she's going to take, God's going to bless her with a vacation. And she, and the vacation came up. Her son wanted to treat her to Europe, her and her husband to Europe. They were going to have a family, a family time in Europe. And so um, we really felt, I said, I said, sweetie, we're going to all pray together that you're going to have the strength, that you're going to have this. You deserve this time. You have served God night and day and that God's going to bless you with this incredible vacation. And so uh, I started praying months before she, when we got together on the phone, we'd pray for that too. You know, we'd pray for her vacation because this woman was serving tremendous sacrifice, never thinking of herself, always praying for the ministry all the time with a sick body, just in agonizing pain. Sometimes she can't even hold the phone, but she's still praying in her position and never defected. Hello, somebody, are you with me? And so, um, she, she went on the vacation. It was the most awesome vacation she ever had. She wasn't sick at all, but you know what she did before she left? It took her a long time. She made sure every single time she was on the phone, she had her base covered. She never abandoned post and just said, hey, I'm going on vacation. See you later. And then pick it up when I get home. No. She made sure that every single time she was on the phone, somebody was there to take her place, you see. Ministry isn't a game. Ministry... Re requires the understanding of responsibility. And so those that are going to be consecrated on Saturday, that's one of the requirements in the ministry, that we never abandon post, that if we're going on a vacation, we're all going to support you. We want to love you. We want just like this precious woman. She had the best time of her life. She said it was like a dream. She was on cloud nine for months after. God just strengthened her body miraculously. She was able to walk. She was able to enjoy. She was able to do everything. It was just amazing how God did this for her. But she wouldn't even leave, not a second, without making sure that every single area was covered. Since when do we just, just think of God's work like some kind of a piece of trash or something that we don't even bother when we're going to go somewhere or do something, when we're being depended on to leave God's house in a place of calamity, when we're being dependent on, even if we're folding chairs, even if we're just the Kleenex man or the Kleenex woman. I'm, I'm training you for missions. You see, I've been in this thing many years. I've been in this thing longer than most of you have been born. I've been in this thing for over 50 years. Hello, somebody. I'm not talking that I was 10 either. Hello, somebody. I started the Breath of the Spirit when I was 24. So I, I you know, Breath of the Spirit 
I'm not talking about when I started Breath of the Spirit. I'm talking about my early days after I became a Christian. The next day I started serving. Hello, I said, we came from the kind of thing when you became born again, you knew you had a place and you start serving God immediately. Hello, somebody, are you with me? And that's the way it was. Actually, it's over 50 years. Some of you got your mouths open. But it's true. 1971 is a pretty long time. Hello, I said February 1971. That's a long time ago. To me, it seems like yesterday. And serving Jesus every day, you love him more. And if I ever knew that I was giving Jesus half-hearted service, I would quit. It may not be the best. I may have a lot of defects and faults. But if I ever thought that I wasn't giving Jesus my very best, even one day out of my life, I wouldn't want to serve. Because he deserves the very best. He deserves the best of everything. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And so we see what the scripture here, we see the introduction and the way scripture views and regards responsibility of ministry. When we look at John Mark, he's joined this incredible mission set forth by the Holy Ghost out of this incredible group of people from Antioch, the most powerful place in the whole earth at the time. These men of God had trained everybody and John Mark was one of them. That was trained by those apostles and prophets that got up every night and train them hallelujah and the holy ghost said through prophecy he was going to send them forth to the ends of the earth the whole mission is planned and the one who is selected to go is john mark hallelujah and continuing in the context of acts as we continue in acts chapter 15 Hallelujah. We look at, or excuse me, Acts chapter 13. We are going to see, beloved people, that the scripture tells us now when Paul, continuing in the context here, uh, let me just get it in my scripture here. Um, now when Paul, continue on way down, verse um, verse. Uh, uh, 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. Everyone read the last line with me. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Why is that put there? It means he defected. After several months of being in the mission, he couldn't take it. But guess what the Bible says? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, let's look at that just for a moment. I'm here to train you tonight in the things of God. I'm here to, so that you will be able to not defect from your calling. I'm here today to tell you, don't think about the times always being so easy. Okay, there's going to be times it's going to be difficult, but God's going to, God will reward you. If you stay through the tough times, you're going to see a great reward. Are you with me? It wasn't easy for John Mark to be on that mission. He got tired. He wasn't easy to go from place to place with Saul and Barnabas and start evangelizing everybody. It was not easy. Are you with me? And he defected from his mission. The Bible says we then as workers together with him. 
beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Say this with me. There's enough grace to fulfill my calling. Say this with me. There's enough grace to walk with Jesus and to be anointed in what God calls me to do. I didn't hear you. I said there's enough grace to be anointed and fulfill what God has called me to do. We then, workers together with him. We're working with him. We're not working alone. This is why the book of Acts says we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Ghost. You're working with a partner who's a heavenly partner. You're not doing this thing on your own. You are a vessel used by God. So don't think that it's up to you. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. If you're not ready for boot camp, you're not ready for the missions. It's not easy. And so that you receive the grace of God not in vain, put your hands up right now and say, I want all the grace that's necessary to do what God called me to do. Grace to endure people. Grace to endure insults. Grace to endure hardships. Grace to endure tumults. Grace to endure divisions. Grace to endure disappointments. Grace to endure good report. Grace to endure bad report. Grace to be misunderstood. Grace to have all kinds of things come against me. Grace, there's more grace. Are you with me? Now, going back to Acts. Oh, my. Acts. Do you realize this five-year missionary trip that Saul and Barnabas took? Now this young man just defects in the middle of it. We don't know where, why he did. The Bible doesn't tell us why. Because you know why? It's not relevant. I said it's not relevant. If it was a legitimate excuse, the Bible would have told us. But the Bible doesn't tell us why, because the Bible isn't recognizing it. Hello, somebody. I said the Bible is not recognizing why he defected. Or we would have known. We said, oh, poor John Mark, he got a terrible disease. And so the two apostles told him, you better stay back and take care. We'll send somebody to pick you up here in Paphos and you go home and get taken care of. Doesn't say that. Because he wasn't sick. Doesn't say that. He didn't get a terrible disease. The Bible isn't recognizing it. The Bible's not telling us. It's withheld because it's not relevant. Because there's no reason for him to have defected except for his flesh. He was called by God, and he was chosen to be in that position. Let me show you, back it up. This is not the gospel according to Michelle Corral. This is the gospel according to the book of Acts. Okay, do you realize the kind of mission they were on? Notice when he got attacked. It was right after Sergius Paulus got, got converted. There was a sorcerer by the name of Elymas that was causing havoc, trying to stop a mighty man who was going to influence the whole area to become Christians. And Elymas the sorcerer 
stopped, tried to stop him from being converted. And Paul had a showdown with that guy. And the power of God came on Elymas the sorcerer, and he was stopped in his tracks. And immediately after that is when John Mark got affected. How many of you think there was a little bit of demonic interference? How many of you think that the enemy was a little bit mad because one of his henchmen got put under subjection of the Holy Spirit by Paul? How many of you think there was some damage coming to the kingdom of darkness through Saul and Barnabas? If you do, say amen. Say this with me. I'm going to be real sharp that when principalities and powers are coming down to not allow my flesh to get out of control because that's when Satan comes in and wants to attack me when I'm dealing with demonic power and I have something to do with demons coming out and coming down. Hello, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, put your guard up. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, we're not spiritual babies. It's time for us to know how to fight. Say, we don't need to get wiped out. Hello, somebody. I said, you don't need to drop out and get wiped out. You don't need to lose your destiny over it. You can fight it off. That little thing that you were all upset about is not relevant to God. And you can lose your whole destiny over it. The great work that was being done through Saul and Barnabas was that after, now we know Peter had an encounter with Gentiles, but that was not a revival. He only touched the house of Cornelius. Revival didn't break out yet. It wasn't time. But Saul and Barnabas are being called to Gentiles. Can you imagine? A whole era is happening on this mission trip. Through Saul and Barnabas. Gentiles are coming to Christ left and right. And the one who's getting affected is John Mark. He's a babe in Christ. He can't handle it. And he drops out. Then in Acts 15, go with me to Acts 15. In Acts 15, we are going to see how Paul and Scripture views regards responsibility of ministry. We're going to see in Acts 15, verse 36, turn with me very quickly. Acts 15, 36, we're almost finished. The Bible says, and some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Paul is now going to begin a second missionary journey. Usually Paul's missionary journeys were five years. So they're ready to go. Now watch. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. That's the one that defected. And guess what? He's his nephew. But watch this. Everyone read. One, two, three, go. Verse 38. Why is it so silent in here? Look at that. Paul thought it not good to take him with them. Now, the Bible's telling us this was an irresponsible choice. 
that John Mark made. He just defected without anybody, without saying, okay, I got to leave. I don't think I can do it, but let's call for Titus or let's call for someone from the church at Antioch to come and take my place so that y'all are not left alone. I'm going to cover my tracks. I'll stay a couple more weeks or months or however long it takes for the ship to bring him here so that we know there's no way I'm going to abandon you. I don't feel I should stay any longer. I'm going to leave, but do it right. No, he just defected. Gone. It's not a game. Hello, somebody. I said it's not a game. Did you hear me? I said it's not a game. The Holy Ghost has not been given to you to defect. The Holy Ghost has been given to you to stay, to endure all these things for the gospel's sake. Notice verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them, between Saul and Barnabas, was so sharp between them that Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas, departing, departed, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. So you know what happened? Barnabas, the man of God, and he is a man of God, but he made a boo-boo. We all do. He went back to Cyprus, and we never hear anything else in the book of Acts out of Barnabas. But Paul went on to do the mission. I said, Paul went on to do the mission. He said, child, you, don't, you're, you didn't fulfill yours? Well, guess what? Somebody is standing right there who's a Silas, who's ready to take the place you should have been, and I'm going to take Silas with me, and Silas is going to do what you defected to do. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Put your hands up and say, Holy Ghost, never let me defect. Oh, beloved saints, I want you to know as we stand, let's stand right now. This on Saturday is going to be a very holy thing. Looking at Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. You know, I love it. Paul in Colossians chapter 4, told Archippus, take heed to the ministry that God has given you, that you fulfill it. I love it when Paul speaks to certain brethren. His name was Fortunus and Stephanus and some of the other brethren from 1 Corinthians, that they supplied service where others lacked. In other words, they filled in the gap. Some folks fell out. We find this quite often throughout the New Testament. Certain ones fall out, but somebody's there to fulfill. But right now, I'm going to show you the model believer. His name is Epaphrodites. Epaphrodites was a missionary on Paul's behalf. He was a messenger. The Bible says, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger in that he ministered to my wants. He longed after you all and was filled with heaviness because you heard he was sick. 
For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully. Hallelujah. That when you see him again, you will rejoice, and I will be less sorrowful. Now watch this. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with gladness and hold such a one in reputation. Why? Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Watch this. Not regarding his own life to supply your lack of service toward me. That means somebody had the mission to do a mission in Philippi, but they didn't fulfill it. So the volunteer was Epaphrodites, but he was sick, nigh unto death. But he volunteered to take the place of somebody who didn't fulfill their calling. And guess what? Epaphrodites is going again back to Philippi, but this time he's healed. Why? Because when you serve God under the anointing, the anointing breaks the yoke. I said, when you serve God under the anointing, the anointing breaks the yoke. By rights, the doctor will tell you, you should not be doing this. By rights, the doctor should be saying, there's no way you should be standing right now, but you're standing. Hello. You're doing, you're defying what the doctors say that you should do. That's one thing about Papa. From the very beginning, he just, got, he just couldn't wait for the doctors to see his x-rays so that he could prove to them what a liar the devil is. When Papa was a young man, eight curvatures in his spine and discs missing, and I told him, you'll never walk again. And he came to a Morris-Cirillo meeting two different times at Morris-Cirillo service in 1977. Raised his hand, his neck got healed. Another time he came back, his lower back got healed. He went back to his doctor, and his doctor said, I don't know what happened to you. How in the world are you walking and doing the things you're doing? And do you know what the Lord told him? He said, this body that I've healed is not for you. He said, you will not ever use this body for the world. You will only use this body to serve me. That's what God said. And one day, many years ago, in around 1980 or so, we had a Monte Carlo. Those were those nice little cars back in the 80s. We had a Monte Carlo. And there was something wrong with it. And Papa said, well, I think I'm just going to go down underneath the car and try to fix what's going on. And he started working on it and working on it, and he came out from under there, and his back started hurting. It went all back to the way it was. And he said, oh, my, the Lord told me I can never use this body for anything but to serve him. And it, the reason was, it's not because God didn't want him to fix the car. It's because we had the means to fix the car, but he just wanted to not want to do, you know. And he came and he said, babe, the Lord just told me, 
I can't do it because God told me this body is for him and for him alone. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? And as soon as he said that, his body went right back. Hello, somebody. His body went right back. Hello, somebody. You were not redeemed just to live your life any old way you want to live it. You were redeemed to serve God. You were redeemed to give him glory. You were redeemed, hallelujah, to be in this end time ministry to serve the Lord with everything that you've got. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.